I want to start this morning by asking you a question. Think back, way back, to when you got your driver's license. How many, well, not everybody, okay. It's not way back for everybody. Can you remember the first car you owned? Raise your hand if you can remember the first car you owned. Keep it up if it was uh, a beater or a tank. <laughs> what kind of car did you have? A 1965 Chevy Biscayne two-door sedan. Okay. Okay. John? 1961 Ford Fairlane. All right. Yeah. A 1964 Chevy Corvair. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Anyone else? Yeah. 1979 Postmobile Delta 88. Oh, okay. That was a tank. My first car was a 1962 Buick Special Convertible. It was an old beater, and I learned all about responsibility with that because it broke down all the time, <laughs> and I had to pay for it. And it was terrible on gas. It was just terrible. I remember when my son got his first car, he came to me and he said, Dad, I don't like to fill it up all the time. I'm on empty, and I, I don't like driving on empty. And so being who I am, I, I considered that a great teachable moment in his life. And so I sat him down and, and launched into this great exposition on emptiness. Son, you don't want to do life on empty. Blah, 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 blah. After a few minutes, he said, Dad, all I wanted was to borrow 20 bucks, so I'm going to go talk to Mom, you know. I don't know what you came here this morning wanting, but I know what you don't want, and that's emptiness in your life. And the good news is that God doesn't want you to be empty either. But the truth for a lot of us is that we feel like we're living on empty. We feel that the refills don't last long. Now, I hate feeling empty. When I'm spiritually empty, I'm anxious, I'm shallow, I'm more selfish, I'm more easily angered. It's more difficult to make good decisions. I feel distant from God. I've learned something, at least about my own spiritual journey, and that is if I don't refuel and if I don't connect with God a lot, I go empty pretty quickly. A number of people have told me that they deal with emptiness in their lives. I was kind of shocked at first because when you think you're empty, you also think you're the only one out there. But there's a lot of us, even though we think we're the only one. When people are actually transparent and open up their lives and say that they're empty, I love it because in that emptiness there's a desire, there's a passion to connect with God. It's not like they're satisfied with being empty. In their emptiness, people are saying, I don't want to be empty. 
I want something more. I want to be filled. And the, thankfully, the good news is that you and I don't have to live on empty. We don't constantly have to stay on the E. We can be spiritually refilled. We can be filled with the life and the power that God offers to us. In Ephesians 3.19, Paul writes, May you know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The New Living Testament puts that verse this way. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you'll never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I love that I can be filled with God even though I won't fully understand it. But how can I be filled and and not understand it? Well, there's an awful lot of things in my life that I can be filled with and I don't understand. Take television. You know, yeah, you sit down, you play with the little man toy, get it to turn on, go through all the channels, and sit back and relax and just watch it and get filled during that. But I haven't a clue how it works. I don't understand the dynamics of that at all. I just know athletes come on and flow comes on and cavemen used to come on and they're trying to sell everything. But again, I don't understand it, how it works. This passage in Ephesians is our theme today. And I hope this will become one of your life verses because there's so much depth in such a few words that we can be filled with the fullness of life and power. This life and power comes from God. It's available to everyone who follows Jesus Christ. The fullness you want is absolutely available to you. Now, as a pastor, I know that when people express, uh, a a pastor I know, uh, when people expressed to him that they were running on empty, he'd ask them this question, what do you think needs to happen? No, he didn't ask them, what do you think you need to do? But what do you think needs to happen? And he said 100% of the people respond to that question with things they need to do. Like, well, I'm not where I want to be with God. I'm empty right now. I just need to read the Bible more. If I get up an hour early in the morning, I could read the Bible and pray and write in a prayer journal, etc., etc. Then if I did all of that stuff, I'd be refueled. Well, Rachel Ray couldn't come up with a better recipe for failure than that. Where do we get the idea that we are refueled by all that we do? Not from Jesus. There's no to-do checklist in the Bible for refueling. But I was taught that you needed to be, when you needed to be refueled, You've got to pray. You've got to read the Bible. Why? Because Jesus did that. And he memorized scriptures too, so you'd better do that. And he fasted. Not only do I have to pray, read, memorize, I've got to fast and I've got to do it all in a quiet place. And checklists are formed in our lives. Now, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not a heretic. I don't think. I'm not saying that prayer and Bible reading are bad. Of course not. 
If you have a daily routine of that going on right now, and it doesn't move you to guilt and failure, and you experience an intimacy with God that's real, and you get refueled in your life by it, then keep doing it. Go for it. That's wonderful. But you're probably in the minority, frankly. Many of us here get hung up with all the stuff we're supposed to be doing and then get frustrated because we can't seem to do it all. Then we move into this feeling of failure in our lives. When Jesus Christ called people to himself, when he took a life and aligned it with his, it was very, very invitational. He used words like, follow me, come to me, be with me. In Matthew 11, he speaks these words. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In John 8, Jesus says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then finally, he talks about us being with him. John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Let me ask you a question about your own spiritual life. Do you think my burden is light? Come to me? Or do you think what I'm doing isn't enough? You either hear your voice or somebody else saying to you that you're not doing enough. Drop down. Give me 20 Bible verses or something like that. If you get the idea that what you're doing is not enough in your life, that's an in invitation to perform. And a, perfor a performance-based faith jumps you on a treadmill where you always feel like a spiritual failure. And failure leads to guilt, and guilt leads to withdrawal. You withdraw from God. And withdrawal ultimately leads to emptiness. But when Jesus is saying, come to me, be with me, my burden is light, that's an invitation not to perform, but to connect. Refueling happens when I connect with God. We're talking about developing and, and deepening a relationship with God in an inviting atmosphere that's natural for you. It's not forced, it's not institutionalized, it's not formalized. It's not a time about mass consumption of how to get connected to God. It's a time about a personal 
connecting with God. So today I'm going to challenge you to stop something and start something, frankly. I'm going to challenge you not to go home with a bunch of things that you feel you have to do be under or be under a some pressure to perform in a certain way. First, let's talk about stopping something. Today I want to challenge you to stop feeling like a failure. Failure leads to guilt, guilt to withdraw, and withdraw disconnect and emptiness. It's the opposite of being refueled. Stop feeling like a failure in your spiritual life. The Bible teaches us that we're all failures, every one of us. We have all failed in our attempt to be perfect. That's why we need a Savior. So if you're here today, you're investigating God, and you're questioning and wondering about it, that's great, because I think this is a safe place for that. But I want you to walk out of here knowing that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your failures and for my failures. And when I put my faith in what he did on the cross, what happens is that imperfect John gets to have a relationship with a perfect and holy God. Because I put my faith in what Jesus did on the cross, that his death was the payment for my sins, I can now be connected to him. That's what salvation is. That's the great message of the universe. Romans 3 says, We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way no matter who we are or what we've done. For all have sinned, all fall short of the God's glorious standard. Yet now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by, by taking away our sin. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. If you have never made that connection with God before, I want to challenge you to make that connection, that personal relationship. Just put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross to connect you with God. And maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart this morning. If so, I encourage you to answer that door. But for many of us here, we've already stepped across that line. And we have a relationship with God. Let me encourage you to stop feeling like a spiritual fa failure. You're not. You have been saved by Jesus' sacrifice. You were a worm who has been saved and turned into a butterfly. Quit living life feeling like the worm. Know that God loves you. In fact, God adores you. That he wants to connect with you and just hang out with you. The first step in refueling your life is to stop feeling like a failure. Stop comparing yourself to others and know that God wants to connect with you and to develop a relationship, a deeper relationship with you. That's his desire. That's not just our desire. That's his desire for us. So start thinking of God as a friend. A lot of us need to change the way we think. We, we need to start seeing God not as some kind of heavenly policeman 
but as someone who is inviting us into a deeper relationship with him. For instance, think about when good friends invite you over to your house. Do you all of a sudden get all stressed out and feel this pressure to perform in a certain way? Not if they're good friends, you don't. You walk in, you get something out of the fridge, you are yourself. You're not trying to perform. You're not trying to get them to like you more. You don't feel the pressure to do that. You just get to be in their presence. Start thinking of God as a friend. Granted, God is a friend that has the power to part the Red Sea. But he also has the capacity and desire to have an intimate personal relationship with you. In John 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. Now you are my friends. Isn't that an awesome thought? God has called you his friend. Dwell on that for a while. That's huge. And we kind of just blow right over it. Don't blow right over that statement. There's a, there's a world of stuff in that statement. You know, when I die, and I'm ushered into the presence of God, I don't think I'm going to say, Hello, God, let me go through all the things I did for you while I was on earth. I won't need to do that. Because he's my friend. I don't have to justify myself. That's been done already. This week I just want to shift our thinking just a little bit. I want us all to stop feeling like failures in our, in our spiritual walk and start thinking of God as our good friend and that connecting with him is not about a bunch of things that we have to check off some list in order to be refilled by God in our lives. It's not about our performance. It's about being in his presence. It's not a show of all the things you need to do. It's just show up. Not because you have to, because it's on some list that this is what you have to do. Simply because you want to be with God. You just want to be with God. It's not about guilt. It's all about grace. So when you think about God, what do you think of? The one that lights up just at the tone of your voice? Or do you think of an angry tyrant who you're never doing well enough and he's ready to smack you upside the head? Your view can change everything about your relationship with God. Which God do you think of? What would happen if you lived your life refueled? If you lived your life filled with the power and life that is available to you from God? With the guilt and the failure pushed off to the side? I'll tell you what would happen. You'd be different. You'd be different. There'd be more joy in your life. 
You'd have more peace in your life. You'd be happier. God's Spirit would be so alive in your life and evident in decision-making and evident in how you treat people. Emptiness would be a thing of the past. It would change everything. And we all want this. We all want this. So refueling is not what you think. It's not an invitation to do a whole lot more to check things off a list. It's an invitation to be connected to the one who loves you, who knows you, and who wants to fill you. And how we get connected may be different for each one of us. Some of you may connect with God by going for a long walk in the woods. Others, it may be sitting quietly in a chair at home. That would be me. I can sit for days by myself. That's not because nobody wants to be with me. I want to make that clear. But that works for me. I don't have to do anything special. I just have to sit and focus on God. And listen. I'm such a terrible listener. I always have so much going on in my head that it usually takes quite a while for me to be able to sit quietly and some of you are going to find this funny, but empty my head and just listen to whatever God wants to say to me. Because he's a friend and he wants to spend time with me probably more than I want to spend time with him. And when you make that connection, God's Spirit works in your heart and refuels your life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have called us to be your friends. That's amazing. It's so easy to think of ourselves in terms of servants, which we are. But you have called us friends. You have invited us to come into your presence. You have invited us into your house to be ourselves, to listen to you, to share with you, Thank you for that. What a privilege. What a privilege. Thank you, Jesus, for opening that door for each and every one of us so that we can have this type of a connection with God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.